0: All right. Well, I also, uh, over this weekend, have come, finally reached sort of like an epiphany. I finally figured out the motto for New England. And uh, the motto for New England is, it's always March. And um, we got it figured out. Anyway, thankful that Carla and Abigail braved uh, the drizzly March weather uh, to encourage others to be a part of the VBS this summer. See how God will use it. Exciting. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We are coming to the end of our look at the armor of God. And that fo- this ending focus is on not so much a piece, but really how the armor works. How the armor is effectual, how it's actual in our lives. And that is going to be through prayer. How any of this works through our dependence on God in prayer. So let's take a moment to read again, just to set the context of what the Apostle Paul is calling us to do is take up the whole armor of God. Let's read verse 13 and then skip down to verses 18 through 20 as we look at the last portion of it. Let's hear God's word. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word. We certainly ask that you would do a good work in us. Help us to see that your word is sufficient for us in, in, in our lives and that as we consider uh, these words together today, that you would be glorified and your people would be strengthened and that anybody far from you would be brought here. Uh, would you do this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So a question that we may have is, how is the Christian faith actually effective in this life? How does it really matter, I guess you could say, in the day-to-day living? I mean, first of all, the Christian faith starts... First and foremost, with faith in Jesus. We know that Jesus made salvation actual through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus didn't simply make salvation possible or probable, but actual for all of his people. Jesus saves us from the penalty of our sin and saves us to a life with God forever. He did so, actually. And because of this, we have hope that will not disappoint. And so we look back and we think on all that Christ did for us to secure that salvation. And then we also look forward to the day in which all that comes to fruition, completion. And that looking back and looking forward, it's good and it's necessary. We need that in our lives, but maybe we struggle with all the days in between, you know, the actual days of our living out, our lives, the living out of our faith. So we might be wrestling or struggling with, how does that matter now? That's great for what Jesus did then, and I can't wait for what Jesus will do later. But what about right now? What about right now through the ordinary and the mundane? What about right now through the traumatic and the overwhelming? What about right now through the joys and the celebrations? What about right now through the plenty and the want? What about right now through life and at death? What about right now? Is the Christian faith effective now? Or another way to ask this, in light of what we've been looking at these past few weeks, how is any of this armor of God actually effective in our lives? Paul directs our attention to the effectiveness of this armor, to the effectiveness, if you will, of the Christian faith by directing our attention to dependence on God through prayer. Now, prayer is the means by which this is effective. Effective prayer is important, and we're going to take time to work through a lot that's said in verse 18, and, and then consider what is said in verses 19 and 20. And we're going to move through a number of thoughts here. And it's, this, it's not so much a formula that I'm wanting us to wrestle with, but really a heart posture that we're encouraged toward, to see all that God has given to us in Christ effective in our lives, and our dependence on him through prayer. So we're going to look at a number of things. About effective prayer. Effective prayer is first. If it's anything. It is relational. Effective prayer is relational. Look at the very beginning of verse 18. At all Praying at all times. In the spirit. Two things there. At all times and in the spirit. But before we do that. We need to understand prayer. What is prayer? I love a, a, a fairly newer catechism's approach to this called the New City Catechism. Question and answer number 38 says, what is prayer? Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. It's the pouring out of your heart to God, which is telling us prayer at its heart is an intimate communication In a trusted relationship. It's the intimate. It's the close. It's the real. It's the vulnerable communication. In a trusted relationship. Effective prayer is relational. It is our pouring out our hearts to God. And we do that, as Paul instructs us here, at all times. But what is meant by at all times? Like every possible second, we're supposed to always be praying? How is that even humanly possible? What is he saying? Well, at all times is really telling us a whole lot more about God than it is telling so much about what we do. What do I mean by that? There isn't a time, a moment, or a season in which you are ever a bother to God. In which you ever interrupt what God is doing. There's never a moment in which you're a bother. Now, for those of us who are parents, who have been parents of little ones at some point in our lives... It is a little bit to our shame as parents that there are times <clears throat> there are times when we might potentially feel a slight nudge of bothering at two a two in the morning, maybe you know as your kid comes in with a a bad dream as you get your bearings of what in the world is happening there might you might. Feel a little bother. And all the things that we face and experience in this life, and all the things that we wrestle with in our hearts, there is never a time in which you are a bother to God. At all times means any time, in any occasion, in any season. In any situation, not just any, but any and all, there is never a time in which prayer is closed. In the carpenter household, there are times in which the kitchen is closed. It's closed. There are some who will remain nameless, who don't find that rule to be all that accommodating to them. No point prayer closed it is at all and any times the relationship established by jesus and empowered by the spirit gives all access all the time to our heavenly father praying at all times and that praying at all times is also praying in the spirit the most Important thing you could even say about our prayers is that they are in the Spirit. That God's presence in us enables our presence with God. That our access with God is backed by the presence of God. The presence of God with us by means of the Spirit. Love what Ian Duguid said about this. Prayer in the Spirit is the Outflow and outworking of a relationship with God, which is itself rooted and grounded in His Word. For those who were with us last week, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It is the Spirit at work in us, one illuminating what God has to say to us through the Word, and the Spirit in us, empowering us to pour out our hearts to God in what we say to Him. So the Spirit is, is making this relationship effectual. Therefore, a growing relationship with God is a praying in the Spirit kind of relationship. It is relational, effective Prayer is relational. It's not a formula that you recite and then God does something for you. It's a relational aspect of our, uh, com- our relationship with God. Our communion with God. A couple of verses come to mind. I, mean, I think maybe you've already thought about it. It's Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. God is that invested in this relationship with you. That deeply invested in this relationship. I love what Jude says at the end of his single chapter letter. So Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. We have this relational dynamic to prayer. Not a formula to recite, but a relationship to enjoy. Effective prayer is relational. As we all, looking back then in Ephesians 6, we see that effective prayer is not only relational, but it is wide-ranging. It is wide-ranging. Look at the next phrase in verse 18. We're going to be in verse 18 for a number of points, and then one point for all of the rest of 19 and 20. So verse 18 then goes on to say, With all prayer and supplication. With all prayer and supplication. So if the first part at all times means any and all occasions are good for prayer, are open for prayer, then all prayer and supplication means all kinds of prayer and supplication. Prayer again is our pouring our hearts out to God In all kinds of ways. That's what we're being told here. In all kinds of ways. And supplication is the pouring out of our hearts to God for all kinds of things and people and situations. It's Talking about the all kinds of stuff of life. The all kinds of things that we wrestle with and face. The all kinds of thoughts and fears and hopes that we have. The all kinds. God cares about the all kinds of things in our lives. What that does is it tells us that there's, there's nothing too big and nothing too small to bring to God in prayer. If prayer is always open and we can pray about all things, then nothing is off limits to bring to God in prayer. We can bring it all, great and small, to Him. Why? Well, because Jesus secured for us such unfettered access to our Heavenly Father, and the Spirit strengthens us to come with all kinds of prayers on all kinds of occasions. Therefore, between what Jesus has done for us and what the Spirit is doing for us, all obstacles to the Father's presence have been overcome. All. You have all of your heavenly Father's attention for all the things you bring to Him. All of it. What a gift. What a grace. What does this tell us about our relationship with God from God's perspective? Not from our experience or our perspective, but from God's perspective. Well, it tells me these things. He delights in our presence and delights in our prayers. He delights in our presence and he delights in our prayers. And just as there is nothing too small to bring to God in prayer, there is no one too small, too insignificant, too no one in a nowhere place. For God. to not fully. Delight. In. You are not. Too small. For God. And your prayers and your concerns. Are not too insignificant. For his delight. and attention. This is what we have in prayer. This is remarkable. And so we are shown here that effective prayer is relational and effective prayer effective prayer is wide ranging. Kind of prayer that empowers, if you will, this armor of God, this dependence on God and this relationship to talk with God about all the things that are in our lives and in our hearts. Because there are a lot of things in this world and a lot of things in our lives and a lot of things in our hearts and a lot of things each day, the third thing that we find is that effective prayer is persistent. Effective prayer is persistent. Look again with me back in our verse 18 um, to the third part. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. With all perseverance. This call helps us to not lose heart. Circumstances are over, overwhelming in life and often out of nowhere. And so much so that sometimes we face things either happening around us or to us or in us that really are overwhelming. We were just as a family recounting, and, and I think many of us can think of times in which we can recount similar kinds of stories We were recounting a time in which we were returning from an amusement park. We were there all day. And one of our kids also will will remain nameless. Uh, on On the drive home, after a long day at an amusement park, from the deepest part of him came a sound that every parent knew before the impact. And the laughter tells me that you also have had that experience. And out came... Everything this small little child could have possibly have possessed. And everywhere it went into the minivan. All the cracks. And the crannies. I didn't know what a cranny was until then. But I knew then. And you just feel so overwhelmed. Where do you even start? Now for me, I I certainly took that in and was bewildered. But my amazing wife and mom, she knew exactly where to start. But maybe life comes at you in such a way. I know that was lighthearted to talk about something serious. But, but maybe that is how it happens. Out of nowhere. In, in such overwhelming ways. And you might just sit there looking at all of the mess and think, where do I even start? How do I even talk to God about this? I don't even know how to feel. I'm just bewildered. Maybe... Maybe that's where you're at, and it's paralyzing. Or maybe it's, it's the other side of all of that. Maybe you have gone to God in prayer in these moments, in these situations, for the thing that you've been praying for years, and maybe even decades for some of you. And still it just feels like silence on the other end. Silence from God. Or at least it feels like silence from our perspectives. And it can cause our hearts to run out of stamina. Maybe we don't know what to do because it's all overwhelming. Or maybe we've cried out to God so often and He feels far and, and it feels like nothing but silence. And so our hearts run out of stamina. Unanswered prayer can be debilitating if we look at it from our perspective. But unanswered prayer does not mean you lack enough faith to get God to notice or that God lacks enough power for him to do something. Rather, unanswered prayer means God has chosen something different for those prayers. For our growth and for his glory. Effective prayer is persistent. When life is overwhelming. Or when it feels like God is silent. Oftentimes the parable of the persistent widow is referenced here. For good reason. But it's the description before Jesus tells that parable that tells us a whole lot. And gives us some encouragement. Luke eighteen. Verse 1, that parable is bookend with this thought. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Not losing heart in the overwhelming circumstances of this life. Not losing heart in the perceived silence of God. Not losing heart in is found in our praying with perseverance in the spirit. You might think, what does that look like? It's a good question to ask. Scripture gives us a case study. It gives us many case studies, but one that I want to highlight to you, and that's Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is six verses, but I think many of us have probably have prayed very similarly to Psalm 13. Psalm 13 has two verses at the beginning that talk to us, that show us that people can feel overwhelmed in this life and feel like there is nothing but silence on the other end. Verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The psalm is a psalm of David and he is facing overwhelming circumstances. He's not speaking hyperbole when he feels like his very physical life is threatened, where he could die. We we know much of David's story and there are plenty of times in that story in which his very life was threatened. Real threats. Real life death situations. And so here he is crying out. He is overwhelmed. And clearly, by the indication of the how long, he's been asking this for a bit. He's facing these overwhelming circumstances and this silence from God. And he's asking, how long is this going to continue? Here it is. It's in the Bible. It's giving us this case study of how to be persistent in the midst of things that feel overwhelming or there. Seems to be silence. We'll keep reading. Keep reading. So it's good for us to go and express this to God. We see here in this case study, David doing it just again and again. Second part of Psalm 13, verses 3 and 4 show us where persistent keeps being persistent. So he, he just said, hey, doesn't seem like this is mattering or effective in any way. And instead of giving up and going away, he asks his request again. Three and four. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David is not being overly dramatic about the situation he's facing in his life. He's probably looking at his death. And it feels imminent. It feels like the enemies are about to win. And so he asks again. He just said, this is overwhelming and you seem far and distant. When is this going to end? Instead of packing it in, bailing, he says, oh God, would you please hear? Would you consider me again? Would you hear my prayer? Now, the last part of Psalm 13 in our little case study of how effective prayer is persistent is really important. Because we don't see any answer to that particular prayer in verses 3 and 4. We don't see any answer to the crying out of verses 1 and 2. We just see David rehearse to his heart the things that he knows that are true. That's a, that's a good thing to bring fuel to our persistent prayer life. In the midst of overwhelming things or in the midst of what feels like silence. That we rehearse what is true. What does David rehearse to his heart? Verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He throws his hope back on to the character of God. When his prayers feel like they're unanswered. When his situation feels so overwhelming. This is a picture of what a persistent prayer life looks like. How effective prayer is persistent. And I bet many of you have prayed very similarly. And in those times in your life when you when you don't feel like getting on to verses 5 and 6, when you feel still very stuck in verses 3 and 4, or maybe stuck in verses 1 and 2, it's in those moments that you ask God for the grace to rehearse yet again this very scope and nature of His grace for you. This is where we see effective prayer is persistent. As we do that, we can find ourselves maybe sometimes seeing prayer life very self-focused, very self-obsessed, very self-inward turned. And so the next thing that the Apostle Paul says about effective prayer is that not only is it relational, not only is it wide-ranging, Not only is it persistent, but it is also, for lack of a better way to put it, church-minded. It is church-minded. Others. Your brothers and sisters in the faith. Look what he says in the last part of verse 18. Making supplication for all the saints. For all the saints. Our prayer life can sink down into a self centered mirror funhouse where we see ourselves all over the place in all kinds of distorted ways. Rather than seeing prayer as a way of our hearts going Godward, we can turn it inward on ourselves. <coughs> the call to prayer, uh, to pray for fellow believers. Is also a call to not be so self-obsessed. Other people are going through all kinds of things too. And our Father delights in our presence and prayers. And especially so. When we bring the care and concerns of the family to him. It's good for our hearts. It's good for our prayer life. It's good for our armor. To pray with. And to pray for others. It helps us. To build greater community and togetherness. To be praying with and praying for each other. It helps bring to death things that could create divides in us relationally as a church. It's hard to stay mad or resentful or bothered with someone else if you're genuinely bringing them before our Heavenly Father. Asking God be gracious to you both. I love what the same author of Ephesians says in Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. Listen to this picture of the kind of community a church can be. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Think of the culture of that. Think of that kind of culture. Strengthening us as we put on our armor. To live out our lives in a world filled with all kinds of schemes set to distract or discourage us. Think of the bond that you would have with other people that. The only thing in common you have is Jesus. But that thing is so great that you have quite a bit in common. Think of the place that plays in making you feel like you're a part of something. To know that you have the prayers of your brothers and sisters in the faith with you and for you. We need that. Otherwise, we will find ourselves in that self-centered mirror funhouse. Again and again with our prayer life. All of these ways play an important role in our armor being effective in our lives. It, it keeps us on a dependence on God trajectory. And as we do that, we find ourselves having our hearts change in the things that we pray for, that we begin praying for the things that God delights in. And that's what we see in this last one. That effective prayer isn't just simply relational and wide-ranging and persistent and church-minded, but effective prayer is also gospel-focused. It is gospel-focused. Let's look again at verses 19 and 20. So Paul says, Pray also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so we see a prayer for a bold gospel proclamation. Again, as we grow in our relationship with God, we begin praying for the things that God delights in. I actually saw one definition of prayer this week as this. Uh, I liked it. Prayer is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do. The ultimate promise is displayed in the gospel. So when we pray for our church, and we pray for our pastors, and we pray for our ministry leaders, and when we pray for each other, other, we ought to pray that we too, all of us, would be bold to declare that which God most delights in, and that is the gospel of His Son. That we would be bold to declare it to those around us. Now, I want to give just quickly a couple of ways in which we can be encouraged from this request by Paul. Who's Paul? He's an apostle. He has 13 letters in the New Testament. He kind of was a big deal and kind of went all over the world at the time, kind of starting like all the churches. Kind of good at it, you could say. Notice this. Paul asked for prayer that he would have the words. He didn't rely on himself. He didn't rely on his experiences. He's asking this church to pray for him so that he would have the words. If the Apostle Paul is asking for the words to say, then you and I were in good company. And then, secondly, Paul asked for prayer for boldness. You think, Paul, man, you were bold in spades, like you were bold as bold can get. And here he is, please pray that I would be bold. What's the implication? That there are times when he didn't feel like being bold. And so if there are times that you feel that, then you also are in good company. Don't let that discourage you, but, but then instead propel you to greater dependence on God, just as we see here modeled by Paul. And pray that for each other. So let's take comfort in this and pray for the same for ourselves and for each other. That we too would have words. That we too would be bold to declare the greatest possible news that anyone could ever possibly hear. All of this, the, the relational, the wide-ranging, the persistent, the church-minded, and the gospel-focused, all of it is necessary. It's not necessarily a formula, but, but the posture of our heart, the focus of our thoughts, the affection in our prayers, the, the things that we have because of this relationship, be, all of that makes the armor that we just spent time talking about these last few weeks all the more effective. This incredible armor we have in Christ is made effectual in and through our lives, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And the spirit is at work in our hearts as we engage the word and as we access the Father through prayer. So very practically, to cut these things out of our lives, the word and prayer like cutting off the power to your house. Let us all be more eager and more hopeful, and more purposeful to take up this armor so as to stand. firm. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you that it leads us to see all that you have provided for us through your son and by the spirit. And I pray that that would encourage us all the more. Take up this armor and to come to you, to come to you in prayer, to pour out our hearts to you about all kinds of things at all kinds of times and to know that you delight in us. You delight in our presence and our prayers. You use them to work in us, ever increasing dependence upon you. And in so doing, it strengthens us to stand firm in a world filled with schemes to discourage and distract. And hearts all too eager to wander. So, oh God, help us to see the place of prayer. May it be effective in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.
1: Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Rehearsing the truth of the gospel is one way to remind ourselves about what we know about Jesus. Will you stand and join us? as we again sing of his wonders and grace and sing about all that is ours in Jesus Christ and our God who is faithful yesterday, now, and always. I believe you gave sight to the blind. I believe I believe.
2: send you off we have a privilege and honor to celebrate one of our own and send them off so I'm gonna have you guys sit down while Ryan North comes up here yeah some of you remember Ryan as a little babe <laughs> a little toddler running around because he's been here his whole life and um I, when I came to Trinity as a youth pastor, Ryan was in eighth grade. He was a little tiny chipmunk still, <laughs> short and scrawny, and he's grown in stature, but we've also we've been able to watch him grow in maturity and character, and he stands here a godly man, and I'm proud of him for that. Many other students, too, we've been able to see through the years. But uh, it's a privilege to, to see that and be a part of that. When Ryan graduated high school, he went off to college to study to, to, for pastoral ministry and got his Master's of Divinity. And along the way, he came back. We couldn't get rid of him. Three times he interned with us and uh, we you know, were able to see him minister and, and continue to work alongside us. This last time... He came right as I was out with my injury and really couldn't work at all. And so he was an important piece in helping youth ministry just continue, along with our other leaders, but stepping up and teaching and helping planning. And so that was a huge blessing for us. And God has prepared him and equipped him, and now it's his turn to lead a ministry. God has called him to Virginia, and he's heading down there. Yeah. Wow. So we got a Virginia fan, I guess. I guess Virginia's for lovers. <laughs> yes, it's for lovers. Yes. And he gets to lead his own ministry now, and um, that's really cool, and we're super excited for him. We are sad to see him go. Um, many of our students cried and wept this past Wednesday and <laughs> yelled, don't go, Ryan. Um, but what an honor and privilege that Trinity has been able to be a part of your life and see all this, and uh, I think God has equipped you and made you ready, and so... We're here to pray for him to celebrate Ryan as he heads off, and we're going to send him off to Virginia, or leaving this week, and he gets to lead his own youth ministry there and be a pastor on staff there, and uh, and and have his turn doing that, and that's a really cool thing. So we're going to pray for you, and I thank God for all this, Lord. I'm trying to think about all you've done, and and it's a lot. And uh, what an amazing thing to see a church community help raise someone up, uh, as you've done with many people here at Trinity, you've done with Ryan. And we think about children's ministry teachers and leaders, and we think about middle school leaders and high school leaders. We think about Ryan's parents and his family and uh, many of the North's friends here at church, all these people that have been a part of his life. And what a cool thing to see a community working in your name, to raise people up. And Lord, you've worked through Ryan in so many ways, so many stories that he and I could stand here and tell, and others could tell, and, and you've matured him, and you've grown his character, and you've led him through school, and now he takes a big step to lead a ministry on his own. And I pray and ask that you would continue the work you've started. We know in Scripture you tell us that you are faithful to do that, And to finish that work, we think there's a lot of work left that is to be done that you're going to use Ryan for. And we ask for your hand and your guidance. We ask that he would keep you first in his life and that he would follow you in that. You've given him gifts and talents and abilities, but may he rest in you and may you guide him and lead his ministry. And we pray for his new position. We pray for his new church. We pray for his new, his new family. And we ask that you work in that. You would give him a great success, whatever that may be, in, in his role in this church and in, in the youth ministry and maybe with young adults. Give him, give him the same kind of support I've experienced here and he's experienced along the way here. And uh, we thank you and praise you again for the privilege to be a part of his life. And uh, we excitedly, and maybe with a little bit of sadness, Uh, happily send him off to continue your work and we're excited to hear what god does through him in these coming years in jesus name amen
0: amen what a privilege to to pray uh, these things so let's let's all stand and let's go with this benediction. I've totally forgot what it is. All right, um, <laughs> sorry. Go with peace and love and faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.